RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. A common challenge to both New Zealand and Australia is being able to provide medical care for its people in remote communities. The College is actively working on issues like workforce recruitment, retention and professional development to areas outside of the major cities. Who better to advocate the advantages of living and working in rural parts of Australia and New Zealand than ENT surgeon Dr Bridget Clancy, who runs her practice in the regional city of Warrnambool in Western Victoria. Dr Clancy is chair of the Rural Surgery Section Committee, which is dedicated to providing solutions to surgical challenges in remote and regional parts on both sides of the Tasman. Dr Clancy explains to Chris Ashmore how she first became involved in the committee. I recall reading an account of a meeting about rural surgery and I was irritated to see that there were no rural surgeons in the participant list. So I contacted the organiser and that led to an invitation to attend a forum on rural surgery hosted by Sally Butchers, who's my predecessor in the role of chair for the RACS rural surgery section. Sally co-opted me to the committee as the OHNS representative and over time mentored me and then nominated me to become the chair when her term ended. And what have been some of the greatest achievements during your time as chair? Two things. First, we've got a really clever, diverse and engaged group of people on our committee and they're bringing their experience and ideas to the table and I think it really shows in the work that we've been able to deliver. And secondly, developing our comprehensive strategy to work towards rural health equity for Australia and New Zealand and then having that strategy adopted by RACS Council as the new rural health equity strategic plan. Why is rural surgery so important? Why should we care? Well, the strategy exists because rural and remote people have worse health outcomes than urban people in Australia and New Zealand, and that's unacceptable to me in rich and clever countries like ours. Rural people have three times the avoidable death rate and a much lower life expectancy. And when I talk about rural, I'm using the term rural to include rural, remote and regional. And it's not a small group of people across Australia and New Zealand. There are more than 8 million people living in rural and remote areas. The inequity is partly due to socioeconomic factors and they're largely beyond our control, but around 20% is due to poorer access to healthcare workers and that's where we can have a big impact. 29% of Australians are rural, but only 5% of specialists live and work in rural areas and in New Zealand where a quarter of the population is rural, they have less than half the doctor-to-patient ratios of urban people. And there's a strategy, I believe. Can you tell us about the strategy and the broader implications for others? Sure. The Rural Health Equity Strategy has two core goals. First, to increase the rural surgical workforce and reduce workforce maldistribution and to build sustainable surgical services in Australia and New Zealand. There are five parts to the strategy. Four are within the college and that is represent for rural, select for rural, train for rural and retain for rural. And the fifth is collaborate for rural where we work with others outside the college. And it's important to know that the strategy encompasses all college activities and spans all surgical specialties, not just general surgery, because rural people have all kinds of health problems and they need all kinds of surgeons. So our goal is to produce generalist surgeons across all the surgical specialties with the skills, desire and confidence to work in surgical teams in the areas where they're needed most, including rural, global and deployable surgery. The first part of the strategy is called Represent for Rural. And what this means is we need to develop a culture of collective responsibility for rural health equity 
supported by the governance processes that ensure that rural voices are at the table and in managing conflict of interest where predominantly urban groups make decisions for rural people. The next two parts of the strategy are select and train for rural, and they recognise that the Australian Medical Council requires the college to train for excellence and for community need. We're succeeding, I think, in the first, but not so much in the second brief. And the actions are based on the evidence of what works for long-term retention of doctors in rural communities, and they include selecting for rural origin, providing positive rural work exposure to both rural and urban origin students during medical school and in their pre-vocational training and then during their vocational training. We also know from the evidence that effective interventions are bundled, they span the whole career cycle and they're tailored both to the rural patient in their context while also being focused on health outcomes and being flexible on process. The Select for Rural Actions include a rural selection initiative and removal or balancing of selection criteria that already exist but that disadvantage rural applicants. In the Train for Rural strategy, the actions include increasing opportunities for rural work experience with a new rural surgical curriculum and rural-specific accreditation criteria for rural training posts and the new concept of a GRID dual fellowship model. Now, GRID, or G-R-I-D, stands for Global, Rural, Remote, Regional and Deployable Surgery. So the idea is that a surgeon would gain the generalist skill set of their primary specialty plus a second fellowship in GRID surgery. And the fourth part of the college strategy is retain for rural. And that speaks to the need to retain the rural surgeons we already have, support rural specialist international medical graduates, and to support whole surgical teams in place. With all that in mind then, what are your aims, say, for the next 12 months? Sure. So the council's convened a Rural Health Equity Steering Committee to drive implementation of the strategy in its first and second year. And that committee is going to be led by Professor Karen Fielding. I expect the steering group would prioritise development of the rural curriculum, and we've already secured government funding to do that. I think they will work with the training boards on the Select and Train for Rural Actions and collaborate through two main projects, and they are the New Zealand Rural Strategy and the Remote Central and Northern Australia Strategy. We'll also be working with the Global and Military Surgery sections to develop the GRID faculty and dual fellowship model. Now, Bridget, you uh, live and work in Warrnambool, which is, what's that, three and a half hour drive west of Melbourne, about? Yeah, around three hours, yeah. How long have you been there? I've been practising in Warrnambool since um, 2005, so my whole consultant career, about 17 years. And what attracted you to that place? Well, as one of my old good friends said, the only way to get doctors to the country is to marry them. So I'm there because my husband's a farmer. So we met through mutual friends. I spent part of my childhood in the country. And one of my friends that I grew up with introduced me to my husband. They went to uni together. And after Dave had a career in the mining industry as an accountant, he had a career change and went back to family farming. And I followed him when I finished training. And... For those listening, what's been attractive for you working and living in a regional centre professionally and personally? I think I've always had an affinity for rural lifestyle and the physical amenity of where we live with the access to the Otways and the beach and we live about 35 minutes north of the Twelve Apostles on our farm. It's just a physically beautiful place to live and the ability to play sport and pursue outdoor activities in this gorgeous environment is terrific. I think I also really appreciate working where you're needed. 
So taking my skills to an area that really needs them, it's very satisfying. We have a pretty short distance between primary health care with our GP colleagues and we're also maintaining really good links with subspecialist services in larger regional settings and in cities. So I think I really have the best of both worlds where I've got a really satisfying work but also great relationships with the team and the community around me. Mm. It's also a great place to raise kids. It's fantastic. In the last 12 months, certainly with COVID, have you noticed whether there's been interest from other medical professionals in the capital cities wanting to move to rural or regional areas? Oh, that's a great question. I'm not so sure within medical circles, but I know that within my patient population, it's not unusual for one parent to live in the country and another parent to commute to the city. And in fact, um, one of my brother-in-laws is a retail CEO and he flies into Melbourne on Monday and comes back on Friday. So it's relatively common model in the country to have people professionals work between city and country. But I have noticed that during lockdown, several of the urban partners relocated to the country permanently and have found that the sort of amenity in the country, our lockdown restrictions were much less restrictive than in Melbourne, but also it's possible to exercise. I can walk on a rail trail for an hour without seeing another person. We were all able to surf and swim at the beach. Just the the physical space was great. And because our centre that we live near has a pretty good cafe culture and gallery culture. And so I think that we have noticed certainly real estate prices have gone up enormously in our area. Uh, so, yeah, we've noticed perhaps not so much in medical circles, but the medical community in rural areas is relatively small at the moment. So I'm noticing it more in academics and in people working for government and for larger corporations that are now able to, rather than commute to a city to work, they're staying home. With other professions moving to regional centres, that at least allows for more demand for medical professionals. So there'd probably be more jobs and more opportunities for surgeons and other medics in the near future. I think there's an enormous amount of opportunity for professionals to move to rural and remote areas. I think what sometimes works against long-term retention is the personal and professional supports that people need to live a good life. And that's what I think's really changed during COVID because so many of the things that were harder to access, for example, for me to travel to a CPD event or a conference was always something that you had to drive a long way or fly a long way and attend in person, but everything's available online now. So I serve on national boards and in other advocacy roles, and I've been able to do all of that from home. And I've travelled a lot less. I'm a lot healthier. I've enjoyed being with family and friends a lot more. And I know that even my contemporaries in the city who are battling traffic, the traffic in cities now is awful. And just for them to get to a meeting after work is impossible, the amount of time they'd be stuck in traffic. So I think everybody's benefited from the online space. For anyone who's thinking of moving to the regions, what do you suggest they consider? What I'd recommend is that for anybody considering going rural, the more you know about what makes a good life for you, the better a choice you'll make about where to locate yourself. For a lot of people, it starts with where is their social group? Where are their friends, family, social supports? And that speaks to the need to ensure that we train people as close to home and country as possible, particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander trainees, because really that's what quality of life's about. It's about the people in your life. And the second thing is what are the professional supports and the community amenities? And once you know what you're into, whether you're into cycling or surfing or you might be an outback 
that sort of person, you might be into horse breeding, whatever your thing is, you will find that in the right spot in the country. I think having that self-knowledge of what would make a good life for you can really help you pick where best to set up your professional life. Dr Bridget Clancy. RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.